0: Good morning, glad you're here. It's a beautiful day outside, isn't it? There's something about wintertime with the sun out. It just feels good. It feels alive. And we we appreciate you joining us online as well. Um, If you're watching online and you haven't been outside yet, open a window, stick your head out something, but it really is nice outside. So will you guys just stand with me as we read our verses from Mark 12, verses 28 through 34? You can follow along with me if you'd like, or they will be up on the screen. The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. And the scribes said to him, You are right, teacher. You have truly said that he is one and that there is no other beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. Hey, I want to pray for us this morning, but but part of the purpose that we laid out last week is to serve neighbors generously. And, and one of the ways we do that is prayer. And so I want to invite you um, into Prayer this morning for Beth Brown. We just found out Friday that her um, only remaining sister Connie passed away. And so, as we pray this morning, I just want to invite you into lifting her up because the greater work of our purpose to love God passionately and to serve neighbors generously and to grow in Christ intentionally is always prayer. And so, we have an opportunity this morning not only to love God with prayer but also to serve Beth generously by lifting her up in our prayer right now. Would you pray with me? Father, we're so thankful that we have this space and this time, this community, God. We just ask that you would open our eyes to loving you more passionately to serving our neighbors more generously and to growing in Christ more intentionally. And God, one of those ways we serve each other is prayer. And so we lift Beth up to you now. Lord, we know it's hard to lose a sibling. And so, Father, we ask that you just would pour your comfort out on her as you comfort all of us in our prayers for her. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, you can have a seat. So so last Sunday, we laid out and hopefully made clear our purpose here at Temple. It's a purpose that's a continuation of the mission of Temple that's always been here, which is to connect people to Jesus and to one another. And our purpose also acknowledges that our culture is different now, right? That that the culture is asking different questions than it has before. And one of those questions that we see in the culture is, how do I live well? And that's a, a craving that, that people in our culture have and desire. And hopefully you can see how our purpose to love God passionately and to serve our neighbors generously and to grow in Christ intentionally answers that question, So so simply put, a well-lived life is one that finds its purpose in loving God passionately, in serving neighbors generously, in growing in Christ intentionally. And that purpose, when it's acted on, moves us from not far from the kingdom of God, as Jesus says to the scribe in the verses we just read, to being deeply rooted in the kingdom of God and thriving in the kingdom of God. And that is the point of the life of Jesus, to inaugurate the kingdom of God here and now. The kingdom that knows no corruption, or sin, or brokenness, or imperfection. The kingdom that we will eventually live in as a place that we call heaven, but the kingdom that is present to us now, moving towards that place where there's no corruption, no sin, no brokenness, no imperfection. And so I hope that as you kind of thought about this purpose, well first I guess I hope you thought about this purpose, but, but I hope that as you thought about it, this purpose to love God passionately and to serve neighbors generously and to grow in Christ intentionally, you found yourself asking the question, how? How do we do that? See, because to know a purpose but to never ask how means that you will never realize that purpose we can know a purpose deeply but to never say how will i move into this means that you'll never realize it and so if you think that having a nice little soundbite or a catchy phrase is going to change anything in your life you're sadly mistaken our society operates on that doesn't it though Let me give you a little bit of information, a bumper sticker, a sound bite, and if you just repeat this phrase, something magical will happen. But here's the deal. Simply knowing a purpose does not mean that you will pursue it. Doesn't mean that you're gonna live into it, or that it will change anything in our lives. We have to have a process to move us into the purpose. See, here's the deal. Purpose is very motivating but process is activating. Having a purpose motivates us to want to do something, but having a process actually activates us to move towards that. And so in verse 28 of Mark 12, the scribe comes to Jesus and says, hey, which commandment is the most important of all? Now I want you to understand something about who, what a scribe was in Jesus' day. A scribe was considered a member of the Jewish religious aristocracy. They were the guys. The scribes and the Pharisees were the ones that you looked at and said, that's how your life of faith should look. They went into Scripture, spent all their time there, they copied it, translated it, but they um, also studied it. They were the ones you went to if you wanted sound interpretation of Jewish law. They, in essence, had all the right answers. They knew what the answers were based on the law of Moses. They knew it like the back of their hands. So here's the deal. If they asked you a question, like any good lawyer in our day, they already knew the answer to the question they were asking. So their question was about testing you, not about learning from you. And that's what's going on here. The scribe is asking Jesus a question that he already has an answer for. And it's clear in his response to Jesus after Jesus answers the question in verse 32, it's clear that when he says, you are right, teacher, that he already had the answer. <laughs> you don't tell somebody they're right when they give you an answer to the question you asked unless you already have the answer. And that's what this scribe did. So here's what we get. The scribe and Jesus both agree that the most important commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. The scribe even goes further and says that God wants that from us even more than he wants sacrifices and burnt offerings, even more than the actual practice of the religious norms of their day. See, Judaism at this time was rooted in sacrifices and burnt offerings But this scribe is saying, Jesus wants me to love him with my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and my neighbor as myself, even more than he wants me to practice my religion. Isn't that interesting for a scribe to say? So this guy gets it. This guy understands it. He knows what the heart of it is. But then catch this. Jesus' response to him in verse 34. After the scribe says, yes, this is the most important thing, even more important than our religious practice, Jesus looks at him and says, you are not far from the kingdom of God. Isn't that interesting? He has the right answer. He knows what's what. He understands that religious practices don't move you into the kingdom of God, and yet he still isn't there. Because here's what I know. To be not far from something is to be not in something. You go stand on the shore of the lake. You may be not far from it. We went there last night. And I know this. We weren't in it. (laughs) Because if we had been, we would have known it. It was cold. But we were not far from it. We stood on the beach. We watched the waves. We looked at the ice. But we weren't in it. The scribe is not in the kingdom of God. God. For all of his knowledge and his wisdom and his understanding of the law of God, he's still not in the kingdom. And here's why that matters. Because for us to have a good purpose, like the one we laid out last week, to love God passionately and to serve neighbors generously and to grow in Christ intentionally, is not enough to move us from not far from the kingdom of God into the kingdom of God. The scribe had a purpose, and yet he wasn't in the kingdom. Here's what we need. We need a process to activate that purpose that actually moves us into something, moves us into the kingdom, because purpose without process results in unfulfilled intentions. You will never get there if you don't know how. The scribe had a purpose. His purpose was to know God's law fully and deeply, to be able to teach it, to be able to guide others into it, to be able to ask any question, answer any question about it. But he still was not in the kingdom of God. So I want to give us as a church a good purpose, which is a good thing. But to give us a good purpose without a process doesn't move any of us deeper into the kingdom of God which ultimately is the point of why we're here, isn't it? Isn't it? Some of y'all are in the wrong place. <laughs> Listen, if you're not trying to move deeper into the kingdom of God, you might as well sleep in on Sunday. If you're not trying to get closer to God to grow into his image, there are many other things you can do that the world will tell you this is enough. But if our purpose is to go into the kingdom of God, this is where we should be, in here. And so I want want us to remember this purpose, and I want you to remember this. Purpose is motivating, but process is activating. We can have a purpose and go, oh, I like that, and I can repeat it. But at some point, every one of us is going to have to choose to step into the process of moving more deeply into the kingdom of God. We're going to have to step into the process of loving God passionately and serving our neighbors generously and growing in Christ intentionally. Because if we don't do that, all we have is a sound bite. And we'll be like the scribe, not far from the kingdom of God, but not in the kingdom of God our process will activate us to move in our purpose. And so I want to give you a visual to help you get an idea of how our purpose can move us. This is a symbol, it's it's an old Celtic Christian symbol called the tree of life. And so in a lot of ways, fulfilling our purpose looks like this tree. We move higher up into God. We move further out into our community. We move deeper into Christ in our rootedness. And all the while, our lives become intertwined like those roots and those branches. We experience that in God life together. We become interwoven in our desire, in our purpose, in our love, and interwoven actually in the kingdom of God. And so with this visual in mind, I wanna talk about our process. And it's actually pretty simple. Our purpose is our process. How are we going to realize this purpose of loving God passionately and serving neighbors generously and growing in Christ intentionally? We're going to realize it by loving God passionately, serving neighbors generously, and growing in Christ intentionally. And I'm sure all of you are going, well, that's fairly lazy. But it's really not when you think about it. So the process, this purpose, has natural movement embedded in it. When we step into this process, we activate that movement. So, let's talk first about love God passionately. See, here's the deal. There are some things in people that are so beautiful, you naturally have affection for them. You don't have to convince yourself to love them. For example, a sunset next to the Blue Water Bridge. Does anybody need to be told, love that? No. It has natural beauty. Or this picture of galaxies from the Hubble Space Telescope has natural beauty. Or this My English bulldog taking a nap has natural beauty. No one needs to be convinced to love these things. Some things has to have inherent beauty that draws us towards loving them. God has inherent beauty, inherent goodness that actually makes it easy to love him. And so the process then of loving God patiently is realized as we continually press more fully and deeply into the true knowledge of the infinite God. To get to know God naturally draws us into loving God. And so here's how we do that here at Temple. We do that by creating spaces where we begin to see Him more clearly and know Him more fully through things like Sunday mornings and teachings and studies and prayer and scripture. The goal of all of that for us is that I may know God more fully. Understanding that God is infinite, therefore none of us knows him fully. We can press into the infinite. We do things here for that purpose. As an example, there's some great men's studies that are starting up. You can sign up for those today. But, The purpose of our studies is not to make you like that scribe who has all the right answers and better understanding. The purpose of our studies here is to introduce you to a God who is good and beautiful and infinitely lovable so that you grow in your passionate love for him. And our next series, Simply Jesus, is going to start next Sunday. We're going to walk through the Gospel of John for that very reason. To see and get to know the good and beautiful Jesus who is God in the flesh. And while we're in this space getting to know God in a way that fosters loving Him more patiently, guess what? Our kids are doing the same thing down in Treehouse. Our middle schoolers are upstairs doing the same thing. Our high schoolers will be here tonight doing the same thing in Beloved. Our middle schoolers will be back on Tuesday night for Sonic doing the same thing. We'll have other kids here on Wednesday night doing the same thing. Our joy group that meets one Friday a month will be doing the same thing. Our spaces are about introducing all of us to this good and beautiful God who is infinitely lovable and inviting us into loving him more passionately. And guess what happens when we do that? It's going to drive us further into community, because this idea of loving God passionately has natural movement in it towards serving our neighbors generously. Listen to this in 1 John, verses uh, chapter four, verse twenty: If someone says, "I love God," and yet he hates his brother or sister, he is a liar. For the one who does not love his brother and sister whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Do you see the connection in there between loving God passionately and serving neighbors generously? If you say you love God but you don't love your neighbor, you don't love God, which means that the inverse of that is true. If you love God, then you will love your neighbor. So to love God passionately naturally creates in us hearts that serve our neighbors generously. Our ever-increasing love for God will increase our desire to serve our neighbors generously. Listen to this in John 13, verse 34. I am giving you a new commandment that you love one another Just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Do you see what's happening in this verse? We obey Jesus out of love for Jesus, not obligation. Obedience to Jesus leads us to love for one another. So, as my love for Jesus increases, my love for all of you will increase. And then it becomes tangible. It becomes serving. It becomes a desire in my heart to serve you and do what I can for you when you have a need. And so, do you see the natural connection between higher up, that is loving God more patiently, and further out, that is serving our neighbors more generously? Think about that tree again. Higher up and further out. And so we at Temple have created spaces specifically to move us through this stage of the process. Spaces like life groups and ministries like hampers that we just wrapped up and ministry teams that serve us here every Sunday. Our hospitality people and our children's people and our tech people and our worship ministries. That's just to name a few of the spaces that we've created for all of us to practice serving our neighbors generously. But see, these aren't the only spaces. I want our primary space of serving our neighbors generously to be our homes and our workplaces, the spaces where we have some of our deepest and most consistent connections. Let's start there. Let's commit to serving our families and our closest neighbors generously, then serving our church, our spiritual neighbors generously, then as we practice serving neighbors generously in these spaces, let's take it out to our community with love and compassion for those who aren't a part of this body, for those who aren't a part of any body of Christ. Let it spill out onto them. And so the natural movement through the process doesn't stop there. So, as we love God more passionately, we become the kind of people who naturally serve neighbors more generously. And then we begin to notice things in ourselves. You ever had one of those moments where you started serving somewhere at church and you walked away and you went, Man, there's stuff inside me that kind of I need to deal with. Or maybe there's stuff inside of you, and from those moments you go, i got to fan that into flame. That's a good thing. And so here's what happens. We become aware of the things in us that are not fully rooted in Christ, that are a product of our self-will and our ego, as we serve others generously. We begin to see the areas in our lives where, like John the Baptist, we say, Lord, I must decrease and you must increase. Because here's the deal. Every relationship, every interaction is an opportunity to allow Jesus to search me. Human relationships are the best place to have what's in me come out. If I'm willing to look at it. If I'm willing to say, I need to grow in Christ. Instead of, you need to grow in Christ if I'm willing to use these interactions as self-examination instead of judgment, then I will grow in Christ in these interactions. Listen to this in Psalm 139, 23, 24. I'll tell you right now, this is one of the verses that I practice probably more than any other verse. Intentionally practice this. Listen to these verses. Search me, God, and know my heart. Put me to the test and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any hurtful way in me and lead me in the everlasting way. That's the first step in growing in Christ intentionally. I want to invite you to memorize that verse and to actually use it to sit with God in prayer and say, God, search my heart. Show me the things in me that make me anxious. Show me the way these anxious things create hurtful ways in me and lead me into the way that's everlasting the way of your son you can use that verse to invite jesus into your frustrations and your joys into your your sorrows into the good and the bad of who you are you can open your mind and let him speak the truth of who you are into your life and to transform you into his very image and the goal of this stage of the process of growing in Christ intentionally is simply really just 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at these verses. But we all, with unveiled faces, looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as from the Lord the Spirit. I want to break this, these first these down a little bit. We all... Who is we all? That's all of us. Everyone hearing my voice, that's we all. That's everyone who has professed Christ, who has said, I am in Christ. I trust him with unveiled face. Well, Psalm 139, 23, and 24 is how you take the veil off your face before God. You go to him and say, I'm not coming with any pretense. I'm coming to you just as I am. I'm going to peel the veil down, and I'm going to let you show me to me. Looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord, that is beholding Him, focusing on Him in a way that recognizes His beauty and that He is infinitely lovable. Focusing on Christ rather than myself, are being transformed. This transformation that we're talking about here that Paul is writing about is changed at the very inner core of our being through the power of the Holy Spirit and the intention of our will. Intending to align my will with the power of the Holy Spirit doing a work in me into the same image. That is into the very image of Jesus. Heart, soul, soul. Mind and strength, becoming Christ from glory to glory. Now, implied in the Greek here is a process, a process that's happening incrementally with some future result. This isn't something that happens instantly. Wherever you are at today in Christ, there is room for you to take a step. Whether you feel as if you are so deeply in Christ, it feels like you're in the bottom of a limitless ocean, there's a deeper place. If you feel like you've got your big toe barely touching the water of that ocean, there's a deeper place. But none of us are done. We all have a place to grow. That's what growing in Christ intentionally is. Movement deeper into Christ comes as we enter into spaces where we have very real and open interactions with others by serving our neighbors generously. I would almost go so far to say that if you will not engage in serving your neighbors generously, you are hindering your growth in Christ because growth happens in community. God is community. He invites us into that for our growth. Here's what happens when we serve others. We lay aside ourselves for the glory of God and the benefit of others. It reveals to us ourselves in ways only human connection can. Then as we grow in Christ, intentionally something interesting happens. Let's go back to John 15. I love this chapter of the Gospel of John. It's all about abiding in the love of Jesus it's, and, and the love of the Father. And Jesus is inviting us into something here. Listen to this, verses nine through 11. Just as the Father has loved me, I also have loved you. Remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love just as I have kept my Father's commandments and remain in his love. These things I have spoken to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Does anybody need a little bit of Jesus joy? I could use it. I could use it. And so Jesus has loved us as the Father loved him. And so as we grow in Christ intentionally, we actually enter more deeply into a loving God passionately type of relationship. So now we're all the way back to the beginning. Right back where we started. And so this process is continuous and it perpetuates itself over and over and over again. Back to the tree of life, right? Growing up, growing out, growing in. And it happens over and over and over. And what we find as that happens, we go higher up, we go further out. And we go deeper in. So, do you see how the purpose of loving God passionately and serving our neighbors generously and growing in Christ intentionally is the process? Do you see it? It's fairly simple, isn't it? So, the question now is what do we do as individuals? What do we do? Well, it starts with a little bit of self examination. Which of these stages do you feel like you need to address in your life? Do you feel like a certain distance or dryness in your relationship with God? Then engage in the spaces and the environments here that help you get to know this good and beautiful and lovable God more patiently. Maybe you need to commit to attend church more regularly or reading scripture more faithfully. Or this is a huge one. Praying more relationally rather than simply going to God and saying, this is what I need, offer it to me, and we will be fine. What if our prayers become, Lord, show me you and show me me, and let those two things meet and become one? Do you find that maybe serving your neighbors generously is more of a chore than a joy? Been there, done that. It happens sometimes sometimes. And if that's the case, maybe you need to join a volunteer team here and put yourself in the presence of consistent, selfless, and joyful servers so that you can catch that spirit of generous serving. Or maybe you feel like your interior life is just confusing and you feel lost in it, you feel like you're not growing in Christ. Maybe you need to make Psalm 139, 23, and 24 a daily practice. Maybe you need to find a spiritual friend who will speak truth to you about the places where you are falling short in Christ, but also encourage you in the areas where they see the life of Christ coming alive in you. We need both. We all, it's not hard to find somebody who will tell you everything that's wrong with you. If you If you need someone like that, call me Monday, I have plenty of them. I will introduce you to them. But sometimes what we need is that person who will look at us and say, I see Jesus in you. Don't let this die. Fan it into flame. Don't get hung up on all the places you're failing. Fan this into flame. Let this consume you internally. Let it come out of you externally. And so now, as the people of Christ at temple, what do you need to do? Well, we need to be... Present to this purpose and this process with clarity. We need to continue in that. We need to own it. We need to share it. We need to pursue it. We also need to examine all that we do through the lens of this purpose. Everything in our lives is this leading me to love God more passionately, to serve my neighbors more generously, to grow in Christ more intentionally? And if it is not, I will put it aside and if it is I will embrace it. We need to bring that purpose to the core of everything. And this know this that we as a staff and elders at this church are doing this thing that we're asking you to do. We started this in our own lives back in the fall. We're undertaking the hard task of aligning all of our ministries with this purpose. And so, all that to say this, we're not inviting you into a place that we haven't already gone into. We want to realize this purpose in our own lives. I believe that spiritual growth happens this way I undertake my own spiritual growth. And as God blesses that and leads me deeper into Himself, I look up one day and there's people looking and going, Can you show me how to do that? Can I walk with you? I like where you're walking. And we know it's hard and we know it requires intentional effort and sometimes coming to uncomfortable self-awareness. But just know this, we're already doing it. We're not asking you to do anything we're not already doing. And so I stand here right now and I say this with Paul from Philippians 1.6. I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work among you will complete it by the day of Christ Jesus. I believe that. We wouldn't have come here if we didn't believe that. And that's why we're here. But more importantly, I need that. We all need that. And I believe we can pursue that together as one body. Feeding each other's needs. Growing higher up in God. Further out into our community and more deeply rooted in Christ, intertwined as one. And that oneness is the point of what we're coming to now, which is communion. I want to share this verse as we get ready for communion from 1 Corinthians 10, these two verses, verses 16 and 17. Paul asked this question to the church in Corinth, is the cup of blessing which we bless not a sharing in the blood of Christ? Is the bread which we break not a sharing in the body of Christ? Since there is one loaf, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one loaf. See, communion is a time of reminder. It's a reminder of our union and oneness with Christ. That we've been bought with Him by, by Him with His sacrifice but it's also a time of reminder of our unity in the faith and oneness with each other. We're one body because of this one love. And so oneness is being unified in purpose and walking in that purpose together. We spent the last two weeks laying out our purpose. And today, you got an idea of what the process as the body of Christ here at Temple is going to be. And so I want to invite you to take out communion now. And as we take it, I want to invite you into reaffirming your unity with Christ for sure. Definitely we need to do that. And that's what this is, a great reminder of our unity with Christ. But I want to also let you use this to affirm your unity with this body here at Temple, with this purpose to love God passionately, to serve our neighbors generously, and to grow in Christ intentionally. We can't fulfill this purpose without the life of Christ in us and the Holy Spirit's power over us. But we also can't fulfill this purpose alone. We need each other. We have to do it together. And so as we take this bread and this juice, these elements together, let's affirm that oneness that comes from Christ because of his sacrifice, yes, but also the invitation that comes from him to be one with each other. So as you take that bread now, just consider that this loaf, this one loaf makes us one body And as we take this juice, I want to invite you to affirm the sacrifice of Jesus, the sacrifice he made for us. But I also want us to say we're willing to put aside all that separates us in this body. And we're willing to stand on one thing, that one purpose, to love God passionately, to serve neighbors generously, and to grow in Christ intentionally. So let's take this juice together. Lord Jesus, we thank you. We thank you that we have, through your sacrifice, oneness and unity. But that oneness and unity was never designed to serve just our desires, to simply serve what works for us, what we want. But God, to serve your body, your body that is created by you with Christ as the head, to glorify you, but also to benefit others. And so, Father, I pray that you press this purpose deep into our hearts and into our souls, that we become a people who simply just want to love you generously and serve our neighbors and grow in Christ. And in that, Lord, you do a work that transforms each of us into the very image of your Son so that Jesus is seen here, seen your people here and walking through our community of Sarnia. We ask all that in his name. Amen.